Hi, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So how was your week? Well, people on the right are burning their Nikes. People on the left are shredding their tickets to the New Yorker Festival. <laughs> and a monster ghoul is being confirmed to the Supreme Court. So it's the so same. It's, a, it's just know, another it's week. Just another terrible week Okay, well, we're going to break it down for you. This is This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Is no, my sign is no, my number is no. Mm. You need to let it go, you need to let it go, need to let it go. Okay, Rachel. Well, maybe one good thing is that we are catching on. We are, it's it's like a flame has we're been a, ignited. We're becoming a national meme, and <laughs> I I knew this for sure when I was watching the first day of the Kavanaugh hearings for the Supreme Court, and there were all those crazy uh you know uh, protests going on in the back, and someone held up a sign that said. Roe, like Roe v. Wade, Roe, yes, Cava, nope. Yeah, and then Irma Zandel, my former, you know, neighbor who has the crazy Instagram, the trend forecaster, yes. she sent me a picture of a Cavanope poster inside a subway. So it's catching on. It's catching on and it's all coming back to us. So we started it, it's coming back to us, and you are in the right place. Here we go. Let's get right off with the elephant in the, the room, which of, the room. Course of course is the Bob Woodward <laughs> book called Fear. Fear. What's the subtitle? Uh, I don't know. It don't follows know. fear and loathing fire and, and the white fury and, and fear. <laughs> okay, you may have heard about this book. This is the insider uh, Bob Woodward, one of the finest journalists of our time, arguably the finest political journalist of our time. Went in depth and and spent interviewed. A year. He spent a year on it. He, he spoke to dozens of insiders, hundreds of interviews, hundreds of hours of interviews, uh, and he, he came up. Them. He taped them right, yep. so we have evidence, and he <laughs> came out with some truly like shocking, yet not shocking, sort of details from inside the White House. And I think people may have heard a lot of these, but as an intro here, let me just warm up. <laughs> yes. Let me get my mojo going with a few of the choice morsels. So Gary Cohn, uh, who was the economic advisor, he stole, stole papers from Trump's desk to stop him from like canceling NAFTA, hoping that if he took the papers away, Trump would forget about it and this move on. This is like what you do with like a toddler who's about to like <laughs> stick his finger in a socket. John know? Kelly, the chief of staff, one of the grownups in the room, said, we're in crazy town. I don't even know why <laughs> any of us are here. This is the worst job I've ever had. I don't know either. <laughs> That's what an intern would say. This is the worst job I've ever had. So Steve, quit. Steve Bannon, that vile kraken of a <laughs> monster. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, went up to Ivanka Trump. Trump and said, he was right here, you're a goddamn staffer. And Ivanka said, I'm not a staffer. I'm the first daughter, which is not a thing. That's not a government me, position. But she's a f- twat. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's the worst. Maybe we'll cut that out. Maybe in England, that's a very perfectly legitimate word. And then Trump apparently did a uh, rehearsal with his lawyers about what it might be like if he actually submitted to verbal questioning by uh, special counsel. Uh, Robert Mueller. And after it all, it was such a disaster. And he lied so many times. The lawyer said, do not testify. It's either that or an orange jumpsuit. (laughs) Didn't they go to Mueller and like reenact? Then they went back and said, like, we cannot for the dignity of our nation. We cannot let this happen. Okay, that's just the warm up. But here at This Week in Nope, we're not here just to recap things you may have seen on CNN. We are here to find the true gems. And I think I have the one gem, the one elephant in the room. I know what you're about to say. We We were texting about this yesterday. Nonstop. Okay, this is a quote from Reince Priebus, who is the chief of staff. He was a little mealy mouth, little vole of a person um, who quit or was fired or whatever. And 
we got this quote from him, and this was actually an attributed quote. He said, when you put a snake and a rat and a falcon and a rabbit and a shark and a seal in a zoo without walls, things start getting nasty and bloody. What is he talking about? Is he talking about the White House? Or was yeah, so he yes. like in a zoo? <laughs> no, I have so many questions. So, First of all, this seems rehearsed. Like if you ask me off the top of my head, like name six animals. I couldn't name six animals. Yeah, who is the seal? Not to mention these vicious. And is a seal vicious? Is a seal the, like, and also Wait, shark is owl? in the water and a rabbit is on the land and a seal is like amphibious. And like, how do these all interact with each other? And it's a zoo without walls? Well, what zoo has walls? Isn't it cages? Cages? But where did the walls go? This is the worst. The they, worst mixed metaphor I've ever no, heard. They should go to the border and fetch the walls. And, and right, build a wall. Build, the wall. build a wall around the zoo with the snake and the <laughs> rabbit and the falcon and the rat and the shark. And the... But which which animals, which person? Okay, if, if Omarosa is clearly the... The rat? The shark. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Anthony Scaramucci is the falcon and the snowman. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And who's the seal? Um, Jared Kushner? Kellyanne Conway. She's a seal because she just claps for everything he says. True, true. Okay, okay. this is absolutely terrible. So um, that's the one thing we need to focus on. That is the state of our democracy encapsulated in one very tortured metaphor. But yes. what's interesting also, Rachel, is the way people reacted to yeah, this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, the reactions have been very bizarre. Um, so there there have been other books that have come out about this administration, but like nothing with the gravitas of this. Right. Michael Wolf had Michael fire and Wolf. fury, but he's a little questionable, I guess, as a reliable. Yeah, he's a little shady. Yep. There were some things in there that were um, disproven, some factual inaccuracies. And there's and- Omarosa, who she herself is a little <laughs> bit of a monster, even though our <laughs> listeners voted that she was by far the most the reliable elephant, elephant <laughs> in the room. Yeah, but the- so like Maggie Haberman, the Pulitzer Prize winning journalist from The New York Times, writes on Twitter today, Woodward mostly builds on real-time reporting as Wolf and Amorosa books did. Woodward book doesn't add to the broader understanding of this presidency, but it tells a consistent story, as did the others. We cannot lump these in <laughs> There is together. no equivalency there. Bob Woodward is the finest political journalism of his, of journalist of his time. He and Carl Bernstein brought down a president. And they're doing it again. <laughs> they're doing it again. 50 years ago, they brought down a president, almost. And they're about, he's about to do it again. How can you compare this to Omar so, I mean, they <laughs> like, should not even be I in the same I saw a conservative sentence. guy on CNN last night. He was like, well, there were lots of holes in the Omarosa book, so there's lots of holes in this book. Oh, no! Yeah. no! Hundreds of hours interview. Omarosa taped like 30 seconds of a conversation. She had a video of like Michael Cohn <laughs> standing in a plane, and that was like her big bombshell that she dropped on MSNBC. No! No, okay, no. and that's okay. not all. If that's you watch all. cable news, they also say, well, this is just... Uh, He's just trying to sell books. That's why he came out with this. He's just trying to sell books. That's why he's promoting. Of course he's trying to sell books. You write a book, you sell sell the books. Does that mean that no information should ever come out in a book because you're trying to sell (laughs) the book? what else would you be trying to do? Are we supposed to to like hand it out in a pamphlet, a free pamphlet (laughs) in the subway? It's like your diary. (laughs) Like you put it under your pillow. Like, of course you're, and also the timing is another thing that people have latched on. They all say, 
Yeah, like the mooch latched onto that and then some other like dummy mafioso <laughs> Trump supporter, they all look the same, was on CNN last night, just sort of impugning the book because of its timing. Saying, oh, right the before, timing is suspicious. Right We're before the midterm. A- so like nothing in the book. No, first of all, these publishing houses true. set the timing like a year in advance. So it's not like he it's just like decided, smart. oh, things are looking good for the Democrats. Let's drop a book. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they want to drop the book <laughs> in a moment people it's care true. about politics. Because it's fucking because true. Because it's 100% true. Oh, and the mooch also was like, all right, I'll give you some of it's true. Maybe like 10% is true. And I was like, mooch, no. Because the mooch is like legions of fact checkers have been fanning out. <laughs> since test all since of the-, the previews drop. No, it's 100% true. No, all of you haters, shut it down. No, no, believe the book. I've pre-ordered it. It's the definition of a pre-order. Go, it's out September 11th. Unfortunate date, I guess. But like, go and buy this book. Read it read and it, weep. Evaluate, read it and weep. <laughs> evaluate for yourself. No, to you haters. Um, but that's not the only ridiculous story about someone in Trump world this week. Yeah, I want to talk about Steve Bannon and the marketplace of ideas. Oh, you mean the one who called out Ivanka Trump? Yes, the, <laughs> the one you were just referring to. So, you know, we all know who he is. He's a boil on the ass of humanity. He's former White House advisor, white nationalist, attention whore. Now he's lending his support to all the white nationalist movements in Europe, all those wonderful... He's been traveling around Europe, spreading his vile hate, and we all know where he stands (laughs) on everything. And he's the one who started with the whole media is the enemy of the people narrative. Yet, for some reason, he like the media love interviewing him and love featuring him at their conferences. So it was announced on Sunday that Steve Bannon was going to headline the New Yorker Festival, <laughs> which is this annual event held in New York. The New Yorker is a, I, I would say it's a pretty lib- liberal periodical, but it's just like a true, it's like a, one of the most esteemed periodicals in the history of journalism. Right. So you would expect that it's a peculiar choice for them to invite Steve Bannon to be the headliner. For a New York festival, <laughs> right. right? It's like a who's who in arts and politics. And like the outcry <laughs> to say it was fast would be an understatement. So pretty much like every speaker dropped out of the event within like 30 minutes. So it of went the from being like panels and an entire festival to being a monologue. Being, <laughs> <laughs> yes, a soliloquy <laughs> by a lunatic. So Jim Carrey, Judd Apatow, Pat Nosler. No Less an intellectual than Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey dropped, dropped out. out. <laughs> yes. So Steve Bannon was the only person left standing. And to which I say, <laughs> the market has spoken. Yeah. Well, also, the nope should go to the New Yorker for inviting him in the first well, place. What did they expect? Right. If you're going to invite Steve Bannon to well, your event, have, <laughs> you they have, to have Steve prepared. Martin on stage with Steve with Jim Carrey? <laughs> was it like the cable guy and like the devil? Steve Martin is going to play the ukulele. He's going to serenade right. Steve Martin. Martin with Steve like and Steve? Edie Brickell? No, <laughs> no, no, no. So no, but no. The, but so David Remnick, who's a, an excellent journalist, esteemed among person, our among our finest, and normally a sane person, he admitted he had made a mistake, and and Bannon was dropped from the lineup like about an hour after. But didn't he have like some guardrails? Didn't he have some Steve Cohn to take the like contract off his desk so that he wouldn't invite Steve Bannon? He the- no, it, it was insane. So he wrote this letter and he released it so that like everyone could see his reasoning. And in it, it said, 
said, the effort to interview Bannon at length began many months ago. I originally reached out to him to do a lengthy interview with the New Yorker Radio Hour. He said he would do it when he had a chance. And it was only later that the idea arose of doing that interview in front of an audience. So what do you mean arose? <laughs> I fucking hate the passive voice. Like, it, how did it arise? It arose. It, it, I arised it. It, right. <laughs> it, it came it, to me. He, I decided. He He's it. the overlord of the New Yorker, and it, he should. Oh, he. It is his responsibility. He should own it. Own it, David. So, like, so a formal letter of invitation was leaked <laughs> to the New York Times, of course, by Steve Bannon, of course. in which David Remnick says he would be honored to have Bannon there. Oh, so God. it's just all no, so appalling. No, I mean, Steve Bannon is a despicable human being. He's a monster, and yet. He's just being what he is. Like, there's no surprise as to who Steve Bannon is or what he's going to say. He's not adding anything new the to the debate. The goes to David Remnick and to The New Yorker for inviting him in the first place. And frankly, they get what they deserve. Right. And they and they give him the power and the attention that he craves after disinviting him. It's always him. problematic when you invite someone and disinvite them. So uh, you're always on your back heel, back foot Ugh. from that. It's disgusting. Then, nope. No, 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 New Yorker, no. no, David Remnick. Get it right the next time. Call you get, us. You, you get one power. Call us. We'll be your crisis management team. No. 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 On to peculiar food. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. I'm glad you're addressing this. We're taking it to a much more serious topic here. One of our favorite topics, which is peculiar uh, food items that capture the fancy of the world, particularly the social media world. Today, I'm going to talk about smoked watermelon ham. That sounds not particularly appetizing. Okay, smoked okay. watermelon ham was invi- invest- invented by Will Horowitz of a restaurant called Duck's Eatery. Wait, so a Jew invented watermelon <laughs> yeah, ham? Well, stay with me. Now, you might think that this is smoked ham made to look like a watermelon, but no, in fact, it is actually smoked watermelon <laughs> made, to, made look- to look like ham. <laughs> no, no. And you get a whole watermelon, and it costs $75. How do you make a watermelon look (laughs) like I'm about to tell you. I'm about to tell you. It is cured for... (laughs) This this watermelon is cured for six days, then dried, then smoked for eight hours, then finished in a pan, and it takes a week. And it's dried? (laughs) It's a dried watermelon. Now, this has gone viral, and we say a lot of things go viral, and there's a few thousand people. This has gotten, there are videos of it, and it has gotten a hundred million views on Instagram. That's like more views. That's like than a percentage it, of the world population. You know, things with watermelons get a lot of views. Remember there was like that smashed watermelon that was like, like carrot top. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was, it was like, there was some like device that smashed a watermelon and it got more views on Facebook. than Okay. Anything. Well, I think we found the way to make our billions. <laughs> All we need to do is release a video with this week in Nope and, and a smoked watermelon. <laughs> okay. So, so there is a problem here, though, is that despite this enormous demand, he can only make two a night <laughs> and it's sold out until November. And the quote from Will Horowitz is that we're getting a request every minute or two. We want to sell it and we're going to keep selling it. But do we want to open a fucking watermelon stand next year? Definitely not. 
Why? So Open he's hating all of his. This is ridiculous. He's created this ingenious this thing. This is like the the dream of every innovative chef of every you know culinary a genius. List. There's a wait list for the smoked ham watermelon. <laughs> However, he does have a remedy for this problem. And there's a, this is actually a sit down restaurant. It's small, but you can go in and sit down. You're not going to get the the watermelon ham. But if they're sold out, <laughs> which they always are, he suggests a cantaloupe burger. <laughs> Which is apparently much easier to make. They can churn them out much faster, and you can get one on demand if you go no. to Duck's Eatery. What's wrong with this man? What is wrong What's with What's wrong this? with all the people who want to eat this? Like, no, boy. shut it down. We have enough good food no in this meats world. meats and melons? No. <laughs> meats and melons should not mix. No. <laughs> that should not mix. Just go to Dunkin'. Go to Chipotle. Shut it down. No. no pack your Literally pack, pack your, your knives, knives and, and go. go. Okay, so Brian, I have this late-breaking story from the tarmac of JFK. Oh my God, late-breaking? Last time we had late-breaking was when Donald Trump Jr. was divorcing Vanessa, the 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 marinara era. (laughs) What's the breaking news right now? So we have to stop, collaborate, and listen, because Vanilla Ice is back. And he's on a mission? (laughs) Yes. He's on a mission. What's the mission? So... There was a. Oh, I got it up here. I got it up here. Okay, I just called it up. Okay, Okay, so he's on a flight from Dubai on Emirates Airline or something. Very nice airline. I hear. And uh, I don't think the Jews on it. I don't think he's (laughs) Jewish. I think his name is like Rip Van Winkle or something. It is. It's Rip Van Winkle. And uh, people start getting sick, and he's posting to Instagram with videos and. Uh, it says that, like, from reliable sources, 10 people have gotten sick, but, violently ill. But, but he's saying hundreds, hundreds of people are getting violently ill, although I'm not sure he's a reliable narrator in this. And he's constantly now, he's our source. He's There are hundreds of ambulances on the tarmac at JFK, and he is our sole source of reliable information. <laughs> he is suddenly he relevant to be, Suddenly, after 20 years. He's been trying so hard to have another hit, and here's finally his Instagram hit. Um And so why was he on this? I just looked this up. Why was he on this flight at all? (laughs) It says that he was a on a speaking engagement in Dubai. Okay. Following giving a talk in Johannesburg, (laughs) South Africa. (laughs) Should we maybe step back and explain who Vanilla Ice is? I think people know for the the millennials, I don't know, the Gen Xers know. He had this one he's a one hit wonder who's like a white rapper and he did this ridiculous it was to Ice Ice Baby Ice Ice Baby uh, Pressure. pressure, And David Bowie sued him. Exactly. And and I think David Bowie won. Yeah, right. right, And Queen, rightfully so. Yeah. So he's just like joke has been he's been on a few like rehab reality shows as well he's a total joke and suddenly every american america loves second acts he's the source he's the only source of truth he's like the blockchain <laughs> for this incident he's a distributed blockchain he has <laughs> he has bitcoin he's paying for his mobile plan with bitcoin and now he's a superhero again well all right vanilla ice um i guess yeah to you yep to you but no let's hope that everyone's no, okay let's hope horrible. it's not ebola i know this sounds very horrible 100 people ill 
maybe it's food poisoning. Maybe okay. it, maybe they eat a vanilla uh, ice. Go back in your ice cave. Ham. Go back in your ice cave. I'll rate for Reuters or reliable sources. No, no, no. Can no, we go no, back no. to the show? I don't want any breaking noise news about vanilla ice. Yeah, what's what's yeah, next? So Rachel? I want to also take a trip back to the nineties. Oh. Another relic, uh, Jeffrey Owens, who played Alvin on the Cosby Show. For okay, a long I remember time. that. Yeah, who could but forget that was Alvin? Like Denise's boyfriend or something? Or um, no, it was the oldest sister, Sandra's yeah, boyfriend. Yeah. He was a doctor. Who was on, but then wasn't was, on, right? And uh, you know, the dad hated him. He was like very annoying. Jeffrey, yeah, yeah, very, very memorable character. But so okay, so <laughs> someone, so memorable. I don't remember him. <laughs> someone saw him um, bagging groceries at Trader Joe's and took a picture of him and like said like look at him he's all bloated bagging potatoes and it was just horrible and the photo went so they viral. were job shaming they him. were job shaming and him and fat shaming him and fat shaming him right. yes and they said he had a stain on his shirt and so oh uh, no I, <laughs> and they were stain shaming him laundry shaming him <laughs> it was all the things of shame and but you know sometimes social media could be a positive force in rare instances Very but there was rare, a yes. groundswell of support for Jeffrey Owens oh, on good. Twitter um, saying, you know, he's just doing honest work. He, you know, a lot of artists and actors have to do work in between gigs to pay <laughs> the bills. In between you gigs, you mean like a long after nineteen ninety four until <laughs> <Yes>. today. <laughs> so Jeffrey Owens went on Good Morning America. He spoke to Robin Roberts about what happened. I loved the interview. It's all very inspiring. He said he loves his life. He has a good career, and if it results in any jobs, he wants to get those jobs on the merits, not because people feel bad for him. Okay, fine. I support that. <laughs> But then Tyler Perry offered him a job like today on Twitter, on Twitter, on Twitter. and he turned it down. <laughs> no, okay. I saw that. He said that I want to I, I want to earn if there's jobs out there, I want to earn them on my own merits. I don't want some like pity job. But now he also had to quit his job at Tw- Trader Joe's because people were stalking him and oh. like skulking around the store taking pictures. So he had to go to and Whole so Foods. Now, like, Jeffrey Owens, <laughs> take the Tyler Perry take job. Take the fucking job. Take the job. We get your point. Swallow but, your pride. But no, you do not turn down an offer like this. You've worked in Hollywood your whole life. This is how it works. Take the opportunity. It's none of it's on merit. It's all who you know. It's, it's you all know. opportunity. It's luck. it's luck. You happened. You had something terrible happen to you. You got shamed. Someone came to your rescue and take the fucking job. Luck favors the prepared. Take the job. Half of life is just showing up. I've heard them say. <laughs> yes. Yes. <Take laughs> and when you're it. in a hole, the first rule is stop digging. <laughs> I don't think that applies here. But no, no to the haters, and frankly, no to Jeffrey Owen for not. When, while, as Tyler Steve Winwood Pitt. said, while you see a I chance, I hope you take reconsider. It. I really do, because that's a good offer. Okay. We would like to see you on the no small screen again. Terrible okay. story. Terrible, Terrible okay. story. Well, so also in the entertainment world, <laughs> <laughs> we've talked a bit about Riverdance on this podcast. Oh, that's right. We Probably have also from the 90s. It sort of reached its pinnacle <laughs> yes, in, the in the 90s. Right. And we talked about Riverdance because Duncan Hunter, the grifter congressman, yes. uh, absconded with, you know, grifter money and part of what he took the government's money for the campaign money for was to go see Riverdance a San Diego production <laughs> San of Riverdance Diego, the finest of the productions yes. and Riverdance is a it's a theatrical production consisting of Irish music and step dancing which so, people legitimately which people like. love and it's you know it's a some people love. so but Riverdance is really right now converging in my life personally is this a, is this a personal yet global story yes yeah, so I've been corresponding via email with an Irish 
Piper. Who was- <laughs> Wait, stop. <laughs> Please repeat that sentence. I've been corresponding via email with an Irish Piper <laughs> who is a member of the Broadway production of Riverdance. <laughs> he is a good friend of my college roommate Louisa, who is also plays the bagpipes and the Irish flute. Okay, so this is a whole like Irish, a Celtic sort of yes, a community, Kumbaya community. And right. so Louisa lives on a farm in Brittany. Of course, God bless. And she has some of her belongings at this Piper's house, and he's moving. So she asked me if I would take temporary possession of this chest that he has that is made out of a tree <laughs> that she used to climb when she was. As a child. This is a delightful story so <laughs> far. How can it, you find fault in this? There's no fault in it. It's sort of unrelated, but I had it's to charming. put it out there. But so, but so, Louise and I were talking about river dance and chests made out of trees, and then she <laughs> she tipped me off that Michael Flatley, the creator of River Dance and the original Lord of the Dance, he is the Lord of the Dance. That's what is his title. Unofficial, <laughs> unofficial. The Queen made him, knighted cards. him, the Lord of the Dance. Well, Michael Flatley as a Spy thriller. Wait, it's a spy thriller? <laughs> yes, and it is insane. So it's called Blackbird, and Michael Flatley isn't just starring in it, but he wrote it, he directed it, and he financed it himself, too. All the finest productions are self-financed. Right. right. I, it is not a good sign. <laughs> it is not. He has never directed a film You probably before. haven't thought about Riverdance for 20 years, and here it is coming at you from multiple Every angles. Every angle. It's Personal, global... <laughs> financial entertainment we, it's, it's everywhere it's unavoidable we are living in a river dance right okay so the plot of this film is troubled secret agent blackbird <laughs> abruptly retires from service and opens a luxurious nightclub in the caribbean to escape the dark shadows of his past an old flame arrives and reignites love but she brings danger with her. <laughs> of course she does. So the Guardian noted that this is the same exact plot as Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael Flatley he's fancies original. himself a modern day Humphrey Bogart. Absolutely. So yeah. he's going to star in it too. So he's going to star in it. Is he's... he going to dance? <laughs> <laughs> is he going to dance on like the Caribbean island of danger? Dancing <laughs> secret agent? <laughs> I certainly hope so. That is was, the sequel, sequel going to be like the African Queen, but well, like the Irish Queen? I don't know if there's going to be a sequel. I don't even know if this movie's going to be released because <laughs> the cast <laughs> the cast is an indicator that the production might be problematic as well. Who is in the cast, I so, ask innocently? Um, Patrick Bergen, who is best known for playing the man who invented virtual reality in Lawnmower Man 2. Lara <laughs> One of my Lemon. favorite films. Lawnmower <laughs> Man 2. Lara Lemon was once in a film called Angry Nazi Zombies. <laughs> and then there's Eric Roberts, who is the brother of Julia Roberts. Oh, my God. Did she hook him up with this prestigious casting? Well, <laughs> The Guardian has noted that since 2015, Eric Roberts has appeared in 209 different films. <laughs> so he doesn't Each seem to be particularly discerning. <laughs> um, and these productions include Cowboys vs. Dinosaurs, Stalked My Doctor, Get Naked, and Pups Alone, A Christmas Peril. <laughs> Were these on the Hallmark Channel? I don't know. I don't know. What was the naked one? I don't know if this film will ever make it out. It's but if it is, we year. will be the first to watch it and give it a review. No, <laughs> no, no. no. Shut Michael it down. Flatley. Close the theater. 
Shut it down. <laughs> okay. I'd like to move a little more highbrow. Okay. If that's okay. Please. Um, the other day I was reading the Chronicle of Higher Education. Okay. <laughs> which is the uh, paper of record for higher education. I was reading it on paper, as I do every single week, and I read a very interesting story about the University of Akron. Now, I don't know a lot about that, but I know it's a reputable university, and a lot of universities like this are having financial crises. You know, there's the haves and the have-nots. The big Ivy League schools with big endowments have tons of money, and then the, the sports team division right, one. The sports yeah. ones have yeah. lots of money, and yeah. then there's all the other also rants. Well, University of Akron is having financial problems, so they have decided they're going to phase out 80, 80 degree programs, including 10 PhD programs, 33 masters, 20 bachelors, and 17 associate degree programs. And to the extent what are they going to replace it with? Well, it's funny you should ask. <laughs> the goal of this is to free up six million dollars to open up a new esports facility. What <laughs> is this a field Which of is, study? Let's just call it what it is. It's fucking video games. Sitting around playing video they games. They are hiring 31 faculty members. They are offering scholarships to students in esports. This is the new milestone of academic achievement. Esports. This is a field of study. Now, they have three different tracks, three different academic tracks. There's varsity, club, and recreational gamers. So you don't even have to be like pro style. You could actually just be a recreational gamer and get a great education at the University of Akron. Wait, so is this like a an athletic, considered to be an athletic thing? No, it's academic. It's, like, it's academic. You, can you get a PhD in esports? It seems that way. <laughs> now, they have five varsity teams, uh, and they correspond to games. Uh, Overwatch, League of Legends, Hearthstone, I've actually played that one, Counter-Strike, colon, Global Offensive, and Rocket Leagues. And the quote from the dean, I guess there's a dean of this, is that the games explore themes of horror, thwarting insidious terrorist plots, and soccer with robot-powered cars. <laughs> <laughs> This, this is the future of higher education, and we wonder why our children are fucking morons <laughs> <laughs> who are addicted to Instagram and can never pick their head up and actually talk to another Have a human being. Conversation. This is very depressing. It's of very all depressing. The news, this, <laughs> this is, is the worst this is by the worst. far. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. No. No. You're not no enrolling AJ in the University of Akron. They're no. not the only ones. There's like ten. They list ten other schools that are starting these esports programs. This is terrible. And also, like, if you get a degree in esports, this is not like something that will endure like a, you know, no, a maybe it will. You can make a probably a better living education. as an esports gamer than as a social worker or as a literature major. You know, if you're a literature major, all you can really do is go and teach literature to more people. It's like a Ponzi scheme. This, at least, you're sort of providing entertainment to people. Yeah, but if you specialize in that one game, like, that's all you know. Like, <laughs> like what happens when League of Legends, like, peters out? Yeah, that's what I'm Maybe saying. they're cross-training. <laughs> Maybe there's, like, liberal arts, the canon. They're, they're, they're the doing, canon. like, Zork. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, Doom. <laughs> no, shut Pong. it down. Shut it down. But that's not the only thing I learned about academia this week. Um, I have one more news item that comes from UC Santa Cruz, which is part of the esteemed University of California yeah. system. They, too, are having financial problems. Um, they are having an urgent housing crisis for their students. 
Um, it's so beautiful there. It's Santa Cruz. It's right. It's a little hippie, but like it's right on the water. Who, Everyone who wants a- to live there. Who the could problem. ask for yeah. something? So there's a housing shortage, right? Yep. So uh, Dave Keller, the executive director of housing services, send out an email, an urgent email to the faculty saying that there are several hundred students with the with the the semester that's about to start right now without housing who are going to be homeless unless we take urgent action. So he is asking the faculty to rent out their rooms in their homes to students, either for rent or for free, which will result, of course, in students being roommates with, with, professor, their, professors. with their professors. Exactly. In 2018. <laughs> this is what this it's is come to. This is, what, so this is like Airbnb, academic Airbnb. What could possibly go <clears throat> with wrong? With an air of desperation. Now, <clears throat> They have addressed this issue. Mm. Uh, they are worried about boundaries, about what will ha- you know what happens if you're like walking around to the like bathroom in your bathrobe, or and if your some- professor or is, if your professor is exactly, and we know that that would never be a problem. See Charlie Rose, for example, <laughs> right? So, um, given the worry about boundaries, the official statement from the administration is that the officials quote welcome students reporting any concerns. And that, quote, students need to do their own due diligence. What are you supposed to fucking do? Do a background check on your professor? What are you supposed to do if you already are enrolled and you don't have a place to live? You're giving them no choice and then putting the burden on them to, to do To make the sure that diligence. their professor is not a perv or a whatever. No. A criminal. No. No, this is terrible. University of Santa Cruz, you should be ashamed of yourself. You should be ashamed. Just shut down. Take away their charter or, or merge with the University of Akron. I, there's so many hippies there. Just build like some yurts. They should. <laughs> Everyone's homeless in Santa Cruz I mean, anyway. Just like, just like Blend in with the population. But like Burning Man just happened. Like in, draw inspiration from that and build like a city. Put and, a big Burning Man in the middle of the city and let everybody congregate in tents and yurts and, <laughs> and merge with the University of Akron. Have and, them all train in esports. <laughs> They'll make a fortune and then they can afford more housing. No, 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 no. absolutely not. No. No, no. I think that's our last topic, Rachel. We've come to the end. This has been such a terrible week. We've we've run the gamut from like really serious topics like the dysfunction, the horrible, terrifying dysfunction of the Trump administration, all the way down to fucking playing video games and, and vanilla ice and river dance. <laughs> so now is the time in the podcast where we come to our yups. These are little items of delight, morsels really they are. They're, they're not the most important things. They're just little morsels that we direct you towards. You We point your nor- nose towards if you're Fluffy looking. Delights. <laughs> to little delights that we can point you towards. Yep. Here's mine. I am a little late to this game, but this weekend I finally saw the film Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, yeah. And it was an absolute, it was more than a delight. It was a breakthrough. It was a rom com, and I welcome the return of rom coms, but it was so much more than that. Of course, everybody knows it was like the first film in a million years that has an all Asian cast, I guess, Joy Luck Club, but this is the first right, modern like film. Mainstream rom com. Mainstream. Yeah. That's right. It was really well written. It was really stylistic. Uh, you interviewed one of the stars once. Yeah, Aqu- Aquafina, Aquafina, you should go and look that up. I'm and sure you'll link to it in the show notes, your yeah, profile of I her. I will, I will. And when I talked to her, I said, I can't wait for this movie to top 100 million and show those dummies in Hollywood. And it's been that, the number yeah, one film for three weeks, and it's incredible. And I hope it doesn't get nominated for that popcorn award, oh, the, like, that, that the popular thing. popcorn award? Best no. picture. Put it in the running for best picture. They have nine slots nowadays. Just give it one of the fucking slots. Yes. It's by far the best romantic comedy that's been released since Love Simon. Rachel, what's your yup? 
So, you know, there's there's a lot of yups going around this week. I could give <laughs> my are? yup to Nike for their just do it ad with Colin Kaepernick. But no, I consider us to be amateur ornithologists here. <laughs> this we have a lot of items about birds, birds of prey, raptors, escaped birds, perverted birds. Peacocks on peacocks, airplanes. Pelicans, storks. Do you, have a, you actually have a new I do. Uh, I have bird? a yup for a bird. So there's been some groundbreaking research <laughs> on a type of home humble songbird called a shrike a shrike which is actually like a, a shriek or a s-h-r-i-k-e s-h-r-i-k-e if you care to yes. wikipedia it yep and it's a uh, actually a very small yet very mighty and violent animal <laughs> it's a mighty and violent bird yes and it stands up for itself in the face of significantly larger predators and scientists have always wondered how it does it and and this how week does it do it <laughs> they found that they use a powerful beak and jaw motion to shake their victims vigorously, whirling them around at speeds, which cause injuries akin to whiplash. So they basically use the 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 what would be a predator. They use their weight against the predator in a version of the Israeli martial art Krav Maga. Yeah, right. Where you're later than your the person you're fighting, but you use your own body weight. Or it's it's also like jujitsu. It's like all these and great it's about martial acceleration. Arts. It's like so. It's an Israeli songbird. <laughs> Who is fighting against the many Arab nations around them that wish to crush them, and yet small but mighty Israel? So I, I don't know. I mean, maybe we could draw that analogy. I always do. Wait, wait. <laughs> I don't know. But so they studied footage of attacks and they observed this prey shaking behavior, giving a clear indicator of how the birds subdued their much larger, these much larger creatures. Well, that is a yup if I've ever heard it. And Rachel, is that a metaphor for anything else in our modern day democracy? I think it is. I think it's a metaphor for how we're going to, the Democrats are going to take back the House in the midterms. And everything and else. the Senate and everything else. We are small but mighty. We're not that <laughs> we small. Will, we're basically we will, the majority, but we lost our way and grab the With our small but mighty of, beak, we will grab the neck of our... <laughs> of our predators and shake <laughs> them, them into like... oblivion. Yes. All right. Uh, that's a great note to end on. So let that be your call to arms for the week to come. <laughs> the strike. <laughs> the strike. Remember the, the small strike. Mighty strike. Okay. This has been an absolutely terrible week despite those yups, uh, <laughs> but we've had really fun, a lot of fun on this podcast. Thank you so much. We're back up to five stars. We're back up on to... iTunes. Yes. We're thank having record breaking traffic and, uh, you know, uh, a lot of international people, a lot of international people at work. Everyone comes up to me now. It's fantastic. I'm like a little mini celebrity and not that I have any ego, but I can't say I mind. I can't say people come up with little catchphrases, <laughs> little catchphrases. And you should do that, too. If you see us on the street, most people spit at my feet. They say, I hate your podcast, but maybe you could like tilt the public opinion a little bit. And just be like, shut it down. Shut it down. Talk to the people you know and love. Yes. Tell everyone. Tell, tell everyone about This Week in Nope. Tweet about it. Tweet Follow about us it. Tweet at us. Brian Hecht, at Rachel D. We're just going on and on. We want you to love us. <laughs> okay, let's shut this down. This has been This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Wanna be my new friend? We got a lot in common. We can talk about nothing.